Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew and for couple months now or more, and we've been working our way through the gospel, and we're up to the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in chapter 6, and and I, one of the things you notice about the Sermon on the Mount is is that Jesus is, is talking to a group of people who are just like us, common people who want to be a part of the kingdom, but in their religious system of their day, they, they probably feel excluded because they've messed up in some way. The religious establishment, the accepted people view them as sinners. And so there's this underlying question, especially who, who can be a part of the kingdom and who can, who can function in that? And Jesus is trying to address them to see that they can be a part of the kingdom. They can interact with God. And, and one of the ways he's been doing it is to point out the problems with the religious establishment of that day. And he's been talking about heart issues, he's been talking about proper motives, we're going to continue on with the proper motives today, as he talks to us and he teaches us how to pray. Last week we talked about how to approach him in prayer, what we don't need to be focused on and the false concepts. Today he's going to talk about how to pray. Now how's he going to do that? Well, he's going to talk about Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. Are we familiar with the Lord's Prayer? Some of you maybe remember when you were growing up in church, maybe you were in a church where part of the Sunday worship was for you to repeat the Lord's Prayer. And, and in some circles, it's almost like frowned upon doing that. I don't have a problem with you praying the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord's Prayer was given. It's a model prayer to show you and I how to pray, what we can pray about. Because the fact of the matter is, is we all get wrong concepts of prayer. Like what, George? What do you mean? Well, just think about it. We're going to look today at verse 9, but I've heard people say, because of verse 8, that I don't need to bring my needs to Jesus because he already knows. Look at verse 8, Matthew chapter 6. He says this, Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. So, I don't need to tell him what's going on in my life. He already knows. Well, that's a wrong concept. How do I know it's a wrong concept? Because when we look at the model prayer, he's going to tell you what you need to ask for. He's going to tell you what you should be praying for. He already knows what you need, but he's going to tell you what to pray. So what we want to do today is this. We want to blow away the wrong concepts, the, 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 the stuff that you've picked up that's wrong about prayer, and have a fresh understanding of what it is. What do you mean the stuff that you pick up about prayer? Well, you know, I liken it to barbecue chicken. How many of you like barbecue chicken? I like barbecue chicken. And I remember as a boy, my dad would have me go out. So I would be out there with a brush and, and a mug, and he would put, he would always have a coffee mug and he'd put the barbecue sauce in there. And, and I would be there and my job was to baste the chicken. And, and I would baste it until it got hard, and then I'd flip it and baste the other side, and we'd cook it slow. And, and I would put layer upon layer, you know what I'm talking about? Just put layer upon layer of that barbecue sauce on that chicken. Now, after a while, you, you, 
it wouldn't even look like chicken anymore. Did you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about? It just looked messy and burnt, and, and it just didn't look like chicken anymore. But it sure tasted good. Here's the problem, folks. You can go to church so much that prayer, you put on a barbecue sauce of false concepts to where it doesn't look like prayer anymore. It becomes a religious ritual. It becomes unnatural. It becomes unreal. So what we want to do is we want to strip away all that barbecue and get down to the meat of what prayer is. Did you understand what I'm saying? We want to see what it is. He's going to teach you what prayer is. So let's look at the model prayer together. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13, and then we're going to see some things about praying, the proper motive in praying. Look with me at verse 9. In this manner, this is Jesus speaking, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Folks, we're going to take this familiar passage of Scripture, this familiar prayer that many of you know, and we're going to divide it into two sections. We're going to look, first of all, at our approach. The first part of the prayer talks about your approach, how to approach God. We're going to see that in verses 9 through 10. And then we're going to talk about our interaction. What do you mean our interaction, George? We're going to talk about what we should be talking to God about. We're going to talk about how to approach him. And we're going to talk about what we should be talking to him about. And that is in verses 11 through 13. So let's look at this together. We're going to talk about our approach. Notice with me verse 9. Look at what Jesus says. He says, in this manner, is basically giving you a model here. In this manner. This, when you go to God and pray, these things should encompass your prayer. When you go to God and pray, he says this. Look at what he says there, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven. Stop. Here's the first point I want you to make. It should reflect your prayer. It should reflect an intimacy between you and God. It should reflect an intimacy between you and God. What, what do you mean, George? How did you get that from that, our Father in heaven? How did you get that? Well, let me just explain something to you. Remember I told you that Jesus is pretty radical? I've told you that before, that Jesus is radical. I, I'm going to explain something to you. What he's doing here as far as prayer is radical. Why? Because I'm going to tell you something. When you look at the Old Testament and you look at the prayers of the saints and of the Old Testament saints, I'm going to tell you something there's missing, something missing in their prayers. What's that? Calling God Father. Always you're going to see them acknowledging who God is, recognizing who God is, glorifying who God is. But there is something, even... Even when you look at someone like Moses or even Abraham who talked with God face to face, Jesus comes along and he radically introduces a concept for you and I, for you and I to recognize that when we pray, and folks, you do pray. I, even people who say, I don't pray, you pray. How do I know? When a crisis happens, you're crying out to somebody. Just reality. 
But he's wanting to show you that when you pray, it needs to be an intimate time. It should reflect an intimacy between you and God. You should have entered into your mind, he's not the man upstairs. He's not some distant figure. He is a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you. Do you understand? And if you're a believer, you're his child. Now let me just stop for a moment. That will change the way you pray. If you, if you just spent all week thinking about that, that'll change the way you pray. What do you mean it'll change the way I pray? Because some of us, I know I've been there, we pray in the abstract. We pray, but we have this concept of God that he's a holy other. He's got more stuff going, the Middle East and ISIS to deal with. He, he's got, he hasn't got time for me. He's got time for you. You're his child. See, the first thing Jesus is saying, when you pray, you pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who's in heaven. He's, he's wanting you to understand... This is not some abstract person you're talking to. You are talking to somebody who dearly loves you with a father's heart. That'll change you. Did you understand what I'm saying? That'll change the way you pray. That'll change your whole approach to prayer. It is somebody who cares for you. That's the approach. First thing. First thing. Here's the second thing. I want you to look with me. Here's the other thing. Look at what he says there. Hallowed be your name. What does that mean, George? We don't even have that kind of word in our language today. What does hallowed mean? It means holy be your name. Honored be your name. So the second thing about our approach when we pray is, that I want you to see is, it should reflect a level of respect on your part. It should reflect a level of respect on your part. Well, what do you mean by that, George? Because I thought, I've got this intimate thing going on with God here. What, what, what is this? What's this got to do with anything? Well, he wants you to remember who you're talking to. You're not talking to Bubba. And I know sometimes we hear teaching like God's my friend and everything. God is your friend, but he ain't Bubba. You don't talk to him like he's Bubba. Did you understand what I'm saying? There needs to be a healthy level of respect there. And again, I want you to think back to your relationship with your parents. Now, I know some of you maybe had a screwed up relationship with your parents. Okay, I understand, but I want you to think with me about a proper relationship with your parent. You loved them and you had intimacy with them. But I'll tell you what, there was a level of respect that I had for my dad and for my mom. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because of who they were. And yeah, you can have that intimacy with God and you can call him father. But there needs to be a a level of, of respect of recognizing this is the creator of the universe. And I need to respect him. See, that's gotta be a part of our approach of, of going to him in intimacy, but also recognizing that there needs to be some kind of respect on my part for God. Did you understand what I'm saying? I think, can I be honest with you? There's another word, you may want to write this down in your notes on the side of your, the point there, is it's fear. That, that aspect of fear. And that's missing from our culture now. We have no fear of anything. We have no fear of authority. We have no fear of cops. We have no fear of principles. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Like when I went to school, I went to school back in the day when they had a paddle in the, in the principal's office. And, and, and just the sight of that elicited fear. Did you understand what I'm saying? That brought fear into you. That doesn't exist today in our culture, does it? My point is, is that we live in a culture that has lost a fear, a healthy respect anymore. 
But for you as a believer, I'm going to be honest with you, you need to recognize that intimacy with God, but you also need to have what? A healthy respect for God. You need to have that. And so when you pray, yeah, you're coming to Daddy. What do you mean, Daddy? Well, Paul says, Abba, Father. It's a Greek word meaning Daddy. You can go to him and say Daddy, but you also have to have what? A level of respect. Here's the third thing I want you to see. And this is going to be the hardest one when you pray. Look at what he says there. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, this has to do with our approach here. What's he saying here? There must be a willingness to follow God's lead. So when I say, your kingdom come, your will be done, that is an acknowledgement on my part to say, God, whatever you want to do, I know what I want to do, but whatever you want to do, I'm going to submit to it. Isn't that what Jesus did in the garden? Lord, if, if this cup of, that I'm about to drink, referring to what he's about to face on the cross, could pass, let it pass. But notice what he said. But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but what? Your will be done. Jesus submitted to the will of God. He followed God's lead. That's going to be the hardest part for you in prayer, folks, because you're going to go through the crisis. You're going to go through life. You're going to go through hardship, and you're going to go, and you've got your plan of how things need to work out, and, and, you're, and you're ready to tell him the 10 steps that need to be followed in plan A, and you've even got plan B and C in case those other ones don't work out, and you're going to instruct God. Sometimes you need to recognize you don't know everything. And you need to follow his lead. And you need to be willing to follow his lead. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I can go to you and say, hey, what do I do in this situation? And you tell me, but I go to five other people and they all tell me. And then I just reject what everybody's telling me and I still do my own thing. You can't do that with God. You have to be willing to follow his lead. And sometimes his lead will scare you. Because he doesn't necessarily tell you everything up front. But you've got to be willing to follow it. It's called trust. So let me just stop for a moment. Let's take those three points there that I told you. Intimacy, having a level of respect, following his lead. Bring them down to three words concerning your approach with God. Your approach with God needs to be personal, respectful, and trusting. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you go to prayer with God, it needs to be personal, respectful, and trusting. Do you see that right there? And how you pray? Personal, respectful, and trusting. That's the approach that we need to take. That's what we need to do when we go to prayer, when, we, when we're with him. We need to have, have a personal time with him. My father, you know what's going on. You know me better than anybody. And let's suffer him up. He knows you better than anything. You know, sometimes I drive my woman crazy. Now, she won't admit that, but I will drive Lori nuts. Why? Because I expect her to read my mind. I expect her to know what's going on inside of this big head of mine and these emotions of mine. And I'm going to be honest with you, she can kind of figure out some things after being married 22 years because she's lived with me and has studied me and, and, and all of that. And, and, and the reality is, is that, listen to me, she still doesn't completely understand me. Some of you are driving your spouses nuts because you expect them to, they're not going to understand you. But there's one person who does. God. So you can be personal. But you have to have that level of respect. And you've got to be willing to trust him. 
Do you see what I'm saying? That's how our approach has got to be. So what do we pray about, George? What can we pray about? Well, let's look at that together. I'm going to read you the whole section, and then I'm going to show you five things that you can be praying about in your prayer time. Because you ever been there? Have you ever gone, I know I need to pray, but I don't know what to pray about. What do I pray about? I prayed for two minutes, and I'm done. You ever been there? I've been there. Look at what he says. Starting verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Five things. Here's our interaction. Number one, ask him about your daily needs. Now, some of you already knew that. Well, tell him. God, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I need your help. This is a situation at work. It ain't good. I'm having a conflict with my boss, or I'm having a conflict with my coworkers, or, or, or God, you know, the pressure's too great at work, and I don't know how to deal with it. Lord, or this is the situation at home. I'm, I'm, I'm not coping well at home. There's a struggle in my relationship at home. Or God, this is my thing with my kids, and you know, they're not doing good in school, or they're not, they're hanging out with the wrong group of people. I mean, we could go on and on and on. You know, do you understand? You know what your daily needs are. You know what I'm saying? You know exactly what I'm saying because you're talking to your friends about it. Man, you won't believe what's going on in my life. You won't believe, and, and you, and, 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 and you're carrying it. But have you talked to God about it? Jesus said, bring your daily needs. When he talks about, give us this day our daily bread, he's talking about the necessities of what you need for life. It's okay. Go to him. God, I need wisdom. God, I'm struggling. I need your help. Let's just stop for a moment. Let's think about that false concept. He already knows what I have need of before I pray. Well, you know, if that's true, why would he just tell you in the model prayer to bring to him your daily needs? He already knows what they are. But sometimes you've got to be able to process it, right? Sometimes you've got to be able to go to someone and say to someone who knows and who's able to do something about it, God, I need you to take care of this. And you understand that as a parent. There's a lot of times I'm very much aware, Lori and I are very much aware of what's going on in our kid's life, and but we still need to hear them what? Come and talk to us about it and say, hey, Dad, hey, Mom. Daddy, can you do something about this? Can you help me out? That's our interaction. Very first thing. Hey, so you have freedom to go to him and talk to him about what's going on. Do you understand? You've got freedom. Write that down somewhere. You've got freedom to talk to him about what's going on. And I can't think of a better person to talk to about it than God. Because he knows exactly what's going on. In fact, can I tell you something? He knows better than you what's going on. Isn't that a relief? Because you only have this perception of it. Do you know what I'm saying? You only have this perception of it. God has a full perception of it. So the first thing. You can go to him with your daily needs. Here's the second thing. Ask him to deal with your outstanding obligations. Look at what he says there. And forgive us our debts. Now, yes, you can take that to mean your credit card bill. 
But that's, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a whole lot more than just your credit card bill. You and I, can I be honest with you, if you go through life and you interact with people, you're going to owe somebody something. And it's not just money. You develop, listen to me, through relationships and interacting with humanity, you develop debts to people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe because you did something wrong, or, or maybe you messed up in this situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and there's a reality where you need to go to God, and you need to ask God to help you to clear those things up. Do you understand what I'm saying? You ask him to forgive your debts, because we create havoc, don't we? Yeah, you need to say yeah. We create havoc in our lives. We create debts that we need to deal with. And sometimes, can I be honest with you, if you're like me, sometimes you don't even know how to clean it up. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you don't even know how to deal with it. You just know you got a mess. And so you go to him and you say, here's my mess. Here's my mess. How do I deal with this? God, forgive me my debts. Is that not awesome to think about? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Listen to me, folks. Some of you are carrying your messes, and you don't even know who to go to about it. Because it's like, I'm not going to share that with anybody. So you carry it like this big weight on your shoulder. I'm telling you, you can go to God with it. And he can help you. And he'll take it from you. That's the second thing you talk to him about. Here's the third one. This is just as powerful as that first one. Look at what it says there. Verse 12, as we forgive our debtors. You know, you create havoc in people's lives. Somebody has created havoc in your life. Somebody has done you wrong. Somebody has offended you. Somebody has hurt you. And some of you are carrying stuff from years of, of offenses, of stuff that has, people have done you wrong on. And, and you have to go to God and say, God, help me to forgive them. Do you know what I'm saying? Help me to forgive them. And I'm going to tell you something. We'll talk about forgiveness next week because the next passage is talking about forgiveness. So next week's about forgiveness. Please show up next week. We'll talk about forgiveness more. But I'm going to help you a little bit today. You've got to go to God sometimes and help you to get through the process of forgiveness. What do you mean the process of forgiveness? Well, folks, listen, sometimes, can I be honest with you? I want you to think in terms of gallons. All right? Sometimes, think of a five-gallon bucket. Sometimes somebody do, does you... I got this concept this week from another speaker. I thought this was great. Sometimes people do you a five-gallon bucket full of wrong. But all you can do is 16 ounces of forgiveness. So you're still carrying a gallon and a half of wrong. And the process is you got to help have God help you to get to the point where you've forgiven him five gallons worth. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's called a process of forgiveness. And see, you can go to God in prayer and say, God, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive those who have created havoc in my life. Help me to forgive those who have hurt me. Folks, every one of you here has got somebody. As soon as I say that forgiveness thing, a picture 
pops up in your mind. An offense pops up in your mind. A hurt is right there. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't need to tell you about that. The fact of the matter is, is prayer is going to God and saying to God, help me. Help me to forgive. We'll talk about that more next week, about that forgiveness thing. So you can go to him and ask him to help you to forgive others. Here, here's the next one. Look with me. And, lead, and do not lead us into temptation. Ask him to help you in the face of temptation. This is real. How do you know that, George? Because you're human. You got stuff that you're giving in all the time, stuff that is defeating you, stuff that is beating you down, stuff that is affecting you that you know that you've got to somehow overcome it to get on with life, but you just seem to be entrapped, ensnared, and you're like, what do I do? How do I get out of this? How do I face it? I know I'm going to face this today. You ever wake up in the morning and you're like, another day and another defeat. You go to him and you say, God, don't lead me there. You know I don't want to do it, Jesus. You help me to face this temptation. You don't even bring it my way. Let me just stop for a moment. Let me just stop. We just talked about several different things here. It's one thing to ask him about your needs, right? Everybody agree? We all know how to do that. But did you notice the next three things? Forgive the messes I make. Help me, help me not to be indebted to people for the messes I make. Lord, help me to deal with the messes people have created in my life. Help me to forgive. And here he is. God, help me not to give in to this stuff. We're talking about being real in prayer, aren't we? This is real. You can go to God and be real about the stuff in your life. So you ask him to help you in the face of temptation. There's one final area that you need to pray about. Look with me at what it says. But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What's he saying here? You need to ask him to protect you from Satan. Folks, you got an enemy. He's real. He is a liar. He is an accuser. He wants to destroy your lives. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to destroy your... He wants to destroy everything in your life. He does not want you to follow God. He will do what he can. And, And we need to wake up to that reality. Do you realize that most Americans don't even believe that he's real anymore? A lot of Christians are that way. They don't believe he's real. Folks... You've got a real enemy who is trying to destroy your life. Have you ever thought about that? Some of the things that we fight about are, are like, really? Who provoked it? And you need to go to him and say to him, God, you protect me from Satan. Why? Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the power. You're the one who's in control, Lord. And I submit to you. You're the one who protects me. Protect me, Jesus. So let's stop for a moment. Wow. Five things. Can anybody tell me you don't know what to pray about? You go to him and you talk to him about what? 
your life? What's going on in your life? And how much you need Him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.